When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the PHNX Coyotes podcast brought to you by the one and only DraftKings Sportsbook app, America's top rated sportsbook app. Don't forget to hit that like button and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a five-star review. I'm Liam Merrill here with Craig Morgan and Steve Peters. It's the second to last day of the season, I guess. The Coyotes don't play today, but there's just one game remaining and we're almost there. Exhale. Exhale. (laughs) One giant PD sigh. Yeah, and it's almost over. I, I again, I, I two things. Can't believe we made it as a group through eighty-two post-game shows. Well, eighty-one, and I can't believe we all survived the Glendale Arena era. Can't believe it. I cannot believe it's coming to an end. <laughs> I really can't. Um, after many years of times, we thought it would come to an end at any point, and it didn't. It continued to go on, and now that the end is really here, it doesn't quite feel real, at least to me. Um, but that's what we're going to talk about today is the Glendale years. We've obviously been counting down the top 10 moments at Gila River Arena over the course of the last, what is it, 20 years? Has, 19 years. 19, 19 years. Seasons. Which is just unbelievable. Um, but we wanted to kind of dedicate an episode to talk about moments that didn't make that list, either big moments that everyone knows about or even just personal moments among the three of us. So we're really just going to share some stories here. And is there anyone who wants to go first? Anything that comes to mind? Anyone who wants to give their own personal tribute to Gila River Arena? Well, I think on the heels of Craig's article about the Glendale Dealers that is coming soon, that we've been lucky enough to preview, I think um, Craig should have the honor of starting this thing off. Craig is muted for Craig's his, muted. Week, for his we weekly can read the article. <laughs> in there for the whole time, PD. I feel like you should start with seniority. You've been in that building more than any of us. Yeah, it's funny. It became every day. We talked about it back then, and when it first you hear the news, oh, we're, they're getting an arena, and it was in South Scottsdale, North Tempe, and you go great. I drove by it. And go, oh, it's a really cool place to have an rink, and then they said no. Not just kidding. Just kidding. We're going to go to Glendale. I'm like, where? Huh? I'm like, what? And then I, you pack a lunch and you load up your car with gas and you drive out there and you see this empty lot. And now you you go and you got to remember back when this thing got built. It, there was no Westgate. There is no, literally nothing. There's nothing. There was nothing there for miles. Like we used to, to go have lunch when they were first building the building. We had to go a long, long way away. There's nothing there. And so you go and you go, are you sure like this is where we're going? Um, and as it started to take shape, you go, fantastic. Like, what a what a beautiful, of itself, the building's beautiful. Like they took some of the best things from all the buildings around the league and emulated the, the you know, the sight lines in Minnesota. And it just had a really good feel. It was a great building. But as everyone has highlighted over and over and over, it's just too damn far. 
And, you know, it's not the only rink like that. And, I, and I'm not disparaging the fans there. And I know there are great fans there. And I, I, I took some heat early on for complaining about it. We're not saying that. We're, we're saying the fan base, the season ticket holders, the corporate dollars are somewhere else in this valley. They're not in Glendale. I'm sorry. It's just a fact. And I know it, it sucks and you want to say that that's not true, but it is. And if that building is somewhere else, I don't know what we'd be talking about this franchise today. My memories of Glendale run great and deep, and there's some happy ones. There's some sad ones. And it's funny, I, I just reflected on it this morning, where the last day that I was an employee of that franchise, I got a moment, and I, I walked around all my old places, and I took selfies in my desk chair and in the theater room where I used to show videos to the players. And, and it was really cathartic, and I, I took a picture as I walked out of the building for the last time. And I, I just... I, I, it's, it's amazing how much of my life is invested in that building. And I will be sad to see it go for this franchise, even though it may not have fit all the time at the right times. There are so many good memories and so many good hockey memories and people memories and family memories that I've had in that building that I will be sad tomorrow night. It's so interesting because obviously, Petey, that was your office that you went to every single day. Craig, it was basically like an office that you went to almost every single day. And for me, the first time I was in there, I was nine years old. My mom was actually an employee of the Coyotes, then the Phoenix Coyotes. And she was required to go to 41, all 41 home games a year. And on weeknights, she'd get babysitters for me. But on the days she couldn't or on weekends, she'd bring me along in the suite with her. So I spent my first year living in Arizona at dozens of Coyotes games. And in terms of feeling like growing up, I literally did. And I'll share some photos later on in the next two days of me literally as a child there and as well as me as an adult there. And I, too, feel like I grew up there and the memories that I had there were, you know, amazing and lifelong. Um and just to think about how much I grew up in that building and how much that building meant to me, forgetting about Glendale, forgetting about the drive, like the building itself. It's like when I walk in there, it's like a second home to me. Someone has suggested that I should try and tabulate all the miles that I have driven from my house in Gilbert <laughs> to Mila River Arena. Interestingly enough, we moved into this house in Gilbert in 2003. The same year that the Coyotes moved out. Good timing, so, Craig. Ever since, yeah, exactly. Southeast Valley, Northwest Valley. Good job. Ever since I've been driving. You know, I had a, I wasn't on the beat for a few years there initially because I was uh, the deputy sports editor at the old East Valley Tribune and our second columnist. I did go out for some key moments like the opening and saw some other events, but I didn't get back on it until a little later in the decade. And in fact, right around the time that Dave Tippett arrived is when I got back on the beat um, full time. But I, man, I don't, even, I don't even know where to start with the memories there. I, I can't even fathom going to another arena at this point. It's just so second nature to me. Like I know every nook and cranny of that place. I've been down in the bowels of that arena. And I think that's the appropriate term to use 19 years later, because while people love that arena, you should, you should see uh, the state of it down low. It's it's not as great as it once was, but I've been I've been all over that building. I know all the corners, all the weird little quirks of it, the tower suite, all these places that people have never heard of. So it's going to be really strange moving on from that arena. But 
again, as, as you guys have talked about, and as I talked about in the story, that's going to be posting at noon today. Um, as Phil Esposito indelicately put it, they just put the fucking arena in the wrong place. That's it. That's, that's all it is. And I know people will say, well, if you put a winning team on the ice, it won't matter where the arena is. It's a chicken and egg thing. Dave Tibbet said this to me in an interview that I had with him. He'll, Dave Tibbett is one of 15 voices in that story. You can't have a consistent winning product if your building is not in the right place because you're not going to have enough revenue streams coming from that arena. Yes, you need to field a competitive team as well. That's the other key ingredient here. Without question, you have to have a competitive team, but you can't do that consistently in Glendale. When ownership group after ownership group came in and assessed the situation, when the league assessed the situation, they all came to that same conclusion. It just doesn't work financially in Glendale. And Richard Burke knew it from the start. That's why he sold the team to Steve Elman because he knew and he said, and he says it in my story, it won't work out there. And it hasn't. It's so crazy to think what if, you know, and in reading that story, Craig, how he said, like, he would have probably still owned the team to think what if that had all happened. But going back to something you just said about the chicken and egg thing, it really is so interesting because you, if you don't have the money to throw toward a team, you can't have a great team, but you can't have money if you're not drawing fans and you can't draw fans with a really bad team, especially in a bad location. And I know the Arizona hockey market gets criticized again and again, but another thing that was really in your story that someone said, I think it was Gary Bettman actually was just the criticism about the market comes from, people who don't understand what the market really is. And, you know, the three of us have lived in Arizona for a long time and obviously know this market better than those people from the outside, obviously. And it, it is so much more nuanced than that. And I really, really, really hope that in a few years down the line when the building is, and I'm just manifesting this, the building is in Tempe and it's the brand new facility and the team is it's the timing of it. And Craig Button said this when we talked to him, the timing of the rebuild and the timing of the new building is going to be the perfect moment of this team starting to get good. All if all things go well. Yes, yes, it can. Be. <laughs> <laughs> it could be, but but it's after all these years of suffering, like, can this finally be the time that you look at fan bases that had droughts for 10, you know, decades. And then there's times that it turns around, like, look at how long it took St. Louis to win a Stanley Cup, for example, maybe maybe the Coyotes' time is, is coming and maybe it's going to coincide with the move and the rebuild and hopefully. I'm just putting it out there in the universe. Yeah. How about that walk-off quote from Mike Johnson, by the way, who's, God, he's in an unbelievable interview and so good at his job as a, uh, an NHL analyst, but it just felt like two lost decades where the, the team was just spinning yeah. its wheels out there, not moving forward. It's tough. It's tough to play that what if game. And Leah's right. Like if what if? What if they if Burke still owned the team and it was in in you know South Scottsdale, North Tempe, freeway access near the hockey markets, right on the cusp of when they were they were good. I mean, you gotta look at those teams back when this team first moved um from Winnipeg to Arizona. That was a good hockey team. I mean, we're a perennial playoff team. I know they didn't get out of the first round, but but you know, they had uh, seasons of over a hundred points and they were a piece or two away when it kind of all fell apart money-wise, and maybe it wouldn't have. And I 
know you'd like to live vicariously and think of, you know, the dreams of, of winning and maybe it would have been different. I, I don't know. I mean, it got as far as Shane Doan putting a shovel in the ground at huh. the Los Arcos site. I mean, it was so close to being a, a reality and, and then all of a sudden it's not. And, and you can talk about the miles and I'm going to take this in a little different direction and in, in, in how the thought process at the time was from ownership was players are going to move players and staff are going to move to the West Valley. And this is all going to be, everybody's going to live near there in the, in the parent, the first plans. And, and you alluded to in your article, Craig, there was this um, luxury apartments and it was a high rise right next to the building. In some drawings I'd seen it actually connected to the building, but it was right there. And players are going to live there. Players are going to buy these things. They're going to have first right of refusal. They can buy as many as they want. This was going to be a big thing. Everybody's moving, not just to Glendale, but they're going to move on site in these luxury high rise apartments. Well, didn't happen. They didn't get built and people didn't move there. And, and to this day, there were two players that packed up from the Northeast Valley and moved to the West Valley. And it was Danny Briere and Landon Wilson. Um, and both of those two players moved to the West Valley thinking, oh, well, we'll start the exodus in the past. And it didn't happen. And it just, nobody left. everybody's, What's that? Pango dead. Yeah, did but Pango was there. I mean, he had a good place on the. Yep, he was out at Arrowhead Ranch. We had, you know, Dr. Bob was out there in, in the West Valley. And there, there were some scattered, yeah. but it wasn't the exodus that people had thought were going to happen. And, and so I think that's where it started to go. Whoa, they're not quite as far in the development of the surrounding areas. There's not as many restaurants. There's not as many places to go visit or shopping. There are now. I mean, it's, it's evolved and, and changed, but it wasn't the plan that the players and the staff were sold originally. I, I even remember going, Oh, I'm going to have to buy one of these condos, but I'm not going to be able to afford it. Like I'm going to live right there by the rink. This is going to be awesome. And it just didn't happen. And you talk about the economic, um, economic times that happened and the lockout, the horrific timing of the lockout. It was supposed to get an all-star game lockout. So it just, it just didn't happen the way the plan had originated. And some of those are economic problems. Some of those are problems between the, you know, the ownership's ability to, to make things happen. Um, it just never came to fruition the way the original plans had intended it to be. Yeah, and the, the Jeff Hecht, uh, we were talking about the actual blueprint of Westgate, and there's so much more there. People think, well, Westgate finally got built. It finally came to fruition. No, not even close. It was supposed to be so much bigger. Those parking lots, there was supposed to be so much, like you said, residential stuff. There was supposed to be more shops, more retail. There was supposed to be more of everything. It just never came to fruition. Really, the only major addition, even though the Cardinal Stadium ended up going out there, and I think it was 2006, the only major addition that's come out there is that outlet mall right across the street. Otherwise, it's still, it it, it never really got realized. It's crazy because some of my early memories too, because yeah, I went when it was just dirt, literally dirt, and I don't want to spoil the lead of Craig's story if you haven't read it yet but it's about how it was literally dirt. And there was this little structure and it was miniature of what it was supposed to look like. So it was this miniature structure and this glass case. And I remember exactly in the arena where it was right by one of the ticket windows inside of the arena. And because I'm not, you know, I was nine. So I loved looking at little miniature structures. And every time I'd say, there's no way all of this is going to go there. My mom would say, yeah, it is like, just look at this dirt, look at this dirt. One day it's going to be, all of this, and it was so hard to wrap my head around, and you're right, it did turn into something, but not nearly what it was supposed to be. Yeah, and artist renderings are always 
overly dramatic, like they paint the, the ideal picture. Like like we've seen the, the photos of the Coyotes proposed arena in Tempe with water in front of it. Well, Tempe Town Lake doesn't actually extend down there. They'd like it to at some point, and I think it'd be really cool, but that's not how it's going to look when it goes in. In fact, the, the building isn't even going to look like it looks because they've changed architects and changed the design entirely. But yeah, artist renderings are always a little dramatic, but Steve Elman definitely had, and Glendale definitely had, bigger plans for Westgate than what came to fruition. And again, you guys mentioned this, the lockout was one thing that hurt the Coyotes, but then the recession hits in 08 and 09, and that just that just hammered the economy. And it really hammered the West Valley, which was booming at the time, but never became you know the next big thing like we always envisioned it would, or at least we envisioned it would back then. It just never became the place where all the growth was going to be. Instead, as you look at it now, where I'm living, it, it just went farther southeast. Uh, Gilbert blew up. Chandler blew up. Queen Creek blew up. So the population base actually didn't end up moving that way. And the East Valley, when you look at population numbers of the east side versus the west side, it's two to one. People still live over here. And as you mentioned earlier, Petey, the wealth base and the corporate base is still over here. Yeah, and, and there there are still diehard fans in, in the West, and they they will continue to be. And we saw one of those diehard fans going to take a taser to the mayor of Glendale. And by the way, that was a very long line of people that were lining up to take a taser <laughs> shot at the Glendale mayor at the time. But I think, yeah, I guess. And I that's the part. That's the part we just never got over, right, Greg? It was it was always another. <laughs> well, you were there live. No, no, no. There's a video of it, though. I don't know. Are we, was is this the, thing on? Oh, good grief. <laughs> Man. No, you're on. You're on. Yeah, well, I have to watch it because I remember that time. And, and I tell you what, it it became an uh, us versus them thing. And I know Dave Tippett talked about it in your article that it, it was us against the world. And that was kind of the mantra for the 2012 team. The, the ownership that was non-existent it was owned by the t- the league um, the media were moving it's everything was against that team and it was the mantra us against them and that's honestly it was part of what it was and it it felt like that was the same thing oh they're trying to move us again another city council meeting like again like it just i can't we used to have parties for city council meetings like we'd go to one of the employees houses and they'd be <laughs> on public tv and by the way craig's been to these events and he knows how much fun it is to sit through one live at least when you're watching on tv so it wasn't as bad and you'd sit and watch and you'd sit and watch people talk and why would that be part of our lives why did that need to be part of our lives oh what is the city council going to do? what's the vote going to be do we people need to go out with signs and why huh let's worry about the next team the next game Hopefully, in this change of tides and seasons, that now it's in, we don't have to do that anymore. Let's get through this one more vote. And I don't know when it is going to be or what we're going to do or how it's going to happen. But once we get there, let's be done with that shit. Let's just be done of all the, the rumors and the innuendos and where are we moving and what are we doing. Let's be done of oh, all the fans need to get together on this street corner with their signs. And, and no, we've proven it over and over again. This T town has a hockey fan base. They are here. They love hockey hockey is alive and well in the desert we don't need to get signed let's just go to the damn games i hope we get to that point craig and i hope this is the end of the beginning or the beginning of the end i'm not sure which but let's hope it is finally um, moving on to the next era of good 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 things um for the franchise all right what are your what are some of your craziest memories yes. from gila river arena offbeat stuff not necessarily coyotes related lee you go first well um 
so the first one that comes to mind isn't actually something that happened in the arena, but on my way, um, I was in college and my friend got us tickets, glass tickets to the Coyotes versus Capitals. Um, I was a sophomore or a junior. I don't remember. And we had to make the drive from Tucson. So we left ourselves so much time just in case of traffic so we can get to Westgate before, have dinner. And... uh, we're halfway up the I-10 and smoke starts coming out of the hood of my car and we had to pull over and it was a Saturday. So like nothing's open. The the I-10, there's nothing. Like there was absolutely nothing. I had to call roadside assistance. The closest place they could tow me that had somewhere that was open was Maricopa. So we took the tow truck to Maricopa and I'm freaking out because I was like, we're going to miss this game and we have glass tickets. And we ended up taking an Uber from Maricopa, Arizona to Scottsdale because we we went to my mom's house and then got in my mom's car and drove to Glendale and we only missed 17 minutes of the first period but I just remember thinking why does this arena have to be in Glendale because if it was just in Tempe we could have just Ubered right there from Maricopa because it's you know closer to the bottom of all of the highways so that's just the first one that comes to mind. I'm sure I'll think of others, but I just had to share that one because that's a memory for me. Petey? Mine's, this could take a minute, so pack a lunch. The funny thing for me was, is is how different coaches and coaching staffs approached the locker room space at Gila River Arena. And everybody had their answers. Oh, this shit ain't right. We got to fix this. There needs to be a wall here, a door here, a tile needs to be different here. And (laughs) never more evident than the Wayne Gretzky era of Coyote hockey. So the original coaches, Locker Mary, each assistant coach had their own office space. And as you can imagine, Wayne, because it's hard to be Wayne Gretzky. Wayne, Wayne has people. There's people around Wayne all the time. There's people around Wayne. He's, he's just a busy guy. There's business things going on. There's other opportunities. He needs people around. So he needs a bigger office space. So the first thing that Wayne Gretzky did is he knocked down one of the walls that were two offices, knocked on the wall. Now it's one, one big one. Well, that lasted for about two months. And then he goes, you know what? I want to be closer to the door going out the hallway. It's not in the right place. So the walls go up. The old offices become two again. He takes two different offices. Those walls come down. And now it's a whole different office space. Well, then Dave Tippett comes in and goes, well, you know what? Too many offices. Everybody should be in the same wall. So all the walls come down again. And now there's no walls. Well, then Rick Tockett comes in. He goes, you know what? There's a trophy case. I don't know if you ever remember the trophy case, Craig. There's a nice trophy case when you walk in the doors to uh, the locker room area. Beautiful case, wood, lights, just beautiful. Cost a, a lot of money, I'm sure, to build this trophy case. And Rick Tockett looked at the trophy case and goes, you know what? What are these trophies? There were, there were mock-ups. They were uh, like fake Calder Trophy, Con Smythe. They were nice, but they were just mock-ups of league MVP. And guess how many Coyotes had won those awards? None. So he said, well, what are we doing? We, we, we're having a whole trophy case for Coyote Player of the Year. He said, hardest worker. He said, we'll get a trophy case when we have something to put in a trophy case. And that day sheetrock started going up and i'm going what <laughs> like you it's a showpiece and if people had tours of the arenas back then they may remember when you walk in it was this glorious little trophy area i've been i've and seen it i tell you sheetrock started going up paint started slapping on and it is now gone and it is behind walls inside here because rick said when, when there's something that we can show that we've won 
we'll take the stuff down and we'll make a trophy case again. And so that's hidden right now inside Gila River. So my, one of my memories is just how much shit changed and how much everybody had the answer. This needs to be there. That needs to be there. And walls kept moving and painting. And the, the painting is funny because the last thing I'll say about this topic is our general manager at the time was Mike Barnett. And he had a big thing about color and colors of locker rooms and hallways and how things should be. He had this color and it's to this day, we call it Barnett Brown because he had, he had in his mind that this is the way it was a dark, rich Brown, like almost like a fake leathery Brown. And he, it had to go everywhere. Like it was in, in the offices you walked in, it was Barnett Brown. And, and he'd walked down the hallway and he goes, no, we got to change color of this paint. And it was just a, it became a thing that everybody had their own vision of what their inside of that world should look like. For me, we might've been in the same building for 19 years, but it was constantly evolving. Nope. We need a red stripe. Like our jerseys down the hallway. Well, so the next day people started putting up red stripes in the hallway or the lighting was bad or the lights need to be different. It should be led. No, it shouldn't be led. And every, it was constantly <laughs> in flux that I don't know if the locker room is still set to this day because it should be all, Oh, I don't like that carpet. Let's get the carpet out. It was just, it was a constantly evolving workspace, which made it kind of interesting because I had my desk. <laughs> I didn't sit in one space for 19 years. I was constantly on the move. So that's one of my memories of the constantly evolving locker room space at Gila river arena. I got to ask you, Petey, two questions on that. Where are the trophies? Because I can never get a straight answer from Talk. When I asked him one time, he looked at me and said, buddy, who the fuck cares? <laughs> <laughs> now, that's a Rick Talk answer. I know yes. the trophies st still exist. And will okay. they be packed up and moved to either A, Eisden, or B, Tempe, um, okay. temporary facilities in ASU? I do not know, but they still exist. And you should see the storeroom that the equipment guys have there. It is a – it's it's – there's – two stories in height it is a massive massive storeroom i mean you've got to think of all the equipment that it takes to to have a team and not only do you have to have a set of all black kachina stuff you gotta have a set of all red stuff so there's tons and tons of stuff and i think they are there and it's sadly a lot of my stuff got thrown away when when i got thrown away so i had a lot of stuff in that store. not personal stuff in the store i'm just they were mad at me because I, I wouldn't throw shit out like i i was i had a shelf in the storeroom that was pd's shelf and stuff started going like if there was a videotape that had 30 seconds of clips on it, I'm saving that videotape. I don't know when I'm going to need it. So it'd sit there for 20 years. <laughs> and, and every year the head equipment manager, Stan Wilson goes, Hey, can we throw any of this stuff out? Like I had VCRs. I had a stack of VCRs and they're probably 30 years old. Don't work, but I'm not throwing them out. So I'm sure they all <laughs> in the ceiling whole area now is, has been, <laughs> they're just waiting for me to go. And <laughs> they probably had the dumpster down there that day. <laughs> so second point here this is not really a question but in terms of uh interior decorating skills i would see say rick target had the least amount of skills because when you walk into that hallway now that leads to the dressing room not only do you get just this boring white wall but he's got basically it's they feel like bug lights it's so bright in that hallway that you could get a tan it's LED. walk in there I will give I will give Rick credit for those because he did say it was too dark in there and he wanted to brighten it up. So everything went LED under the Rick Tocket watching boy howdy that it brightened up. The best, the best interior designer, and it's not even fair because it's kind of almost cheating, was Wayne. Because Wayne had Janet. And boy, when Janet got on fire on a project, whoa buddy. It was we were in. <laughs> like we had she'd come in during games with with designers and it was, oh, we need this and we need and I'm like, well, that's 
pretty sure it's still a locker room, but his furniture was immaculate. His desk space, which moved out when he moved out, but it was just a glorious little place because he needed a meeting space inside the arena. Like when, when, when a game would get over, he, it was, I don't want to call it a party. That's not fair. Cause, but there were people, I got to see Wayne. I got to see Wayne. And that was my, like, we had Charles Barkley coming down after games, Bob Euchre. There was, there was professional golfers and there was just this stream of people that were around Wayne and to Wayne, that was just Wayne's world, Wayne's life. So his office space needed to be able to reflect that and be able mm-hmm. to house people. So it was, you know, immaculately made up with couches and furniture and love seats. And it was a really nice place to entertain because he had to, that was part of what he did as a coach. But once the coaching hat went off, now he had to do a different hat. So I would say, Craig, you might be right. The Craig, Rick Tockett was, wasn't much. He had an office and he had an office there. We had the main workspace for most of the coaches, but Rick Tockett had his own office, a quiet little, you know, an office. He didn't use it. He, he said, I'm not sitting there. I want to sit with everybody. I want to be a part of this so we can communicate. We can collaborate. We can, if I have an idea when I'm sitting there, we can all talk it through. And he sat, there was a conference table in the middle of the coach's space. So all the assistant coaches had a little desk, but in the middle of this room is this conference table. And Rick Tockett moved his computer to the conference table. He had a little basket with his papers on the conference table. And for his entirety of his time in Arizona, that was his office, a little corner of a black conference table, not a big luxurious thing with bookshelves. And no, he sat at the little corner of the black desk because he felt it was extremely important for everybody to communicate with one another. So he was not into how things looked and how, you know, Hey, I don't care. I'm the head coach of the team. I have a two foot, two foot little patch of a table. And that's where he officed for the entirety of his time in Arizona. I, I am going to miss this, but I'm going to start tearing up here pretty soon. Thinking of, thinking of all these things that we went through there. <laughs> That's awesome. Before we get to Craig's story, um, just th- talking about all of this, it just it makes me feel nostalgic. It makes me feel kind of hopeful for the future and what's to come. And hopefully a time that the Coyotes will be competitive in the playoffs. But that time is yet to come. But right now, the Phoenix Suns are competitive in the playoffs and you can bet on them in the first round of the NBA playoffs. And if you want to bet, you should do it on DraftKings because DraftKings is an official sports betting partner of the NBA. And this week, new customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets instantly. You win no matter what. Plus, place a same game parlay each day with three or more legs. And get up to $25 back if one leg doesn't hit. So be sure to head over to the DraftKings Sportsbook app today. Use the promo code PHNX when you sign up. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game during the first round of the playoffs and get $150 in free bets instantly. As always, that's 21 and over. Arizona only. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Eligibility restrictions apply to DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. All right, Craig, you're up. I got more vignettes than uh, one long story. I just have some just some snapshots in my head uh, of memories. First of all, it was Gila River Arena was the site of my daughter's or my kid's first concert. Um, We went and saw Katy Perry and they got to sit in a suite. So they figured this is how life is. I'm always (laughs) going to go and sit in suites when I go to concerts. But they got to see Katy Perry at, at Gila River Arena. I remember, and we're going to be on the Dosecki's deck uh, on Friday for the final game, uh, PHNX. Is I remember interviewing prospective owner Darren Pastor out there. This was at the time when Greg Jameson's deal was falling through, and they were like just a, an avalanche of suitors trying to buy this team. And Darren Pastor, who the league later told me was 
not the least bit legitimate in terms of his bid to buy the team was one of the guys I had to interview him for Fox Sports Arizona out on that deck. I remember getting my dry cleaning back from the dry cleaners one day on the way to the arena, and I didn't have time to even look at anything. I had my suit ready, and as I opened it up, I had somebody else's pants. Oh, no. Pants were like a 42 waist, and I literally had no other options. I was in like sweat shorts and a T-shirt, so it was either go to the game in that or somehow <laughs> figure out a way to make these 42-inch waist pants work. So I did, I like hit him under my coat and I'm talking to John Chica and he looks down at me finally and sees, he's like, something going on with your pants <laughs> that I'm wearing somebody else's pants. Um, I remember Dave Vest, the former writer for AZ Central and ArizonaCoyotes.com, whose, whose sense of humor is so underrated for people who don't know him. He comes across as this straight guy, but he's a lunatic. And he did the best Mick Jagger dance impersonation that I've ever seen up in the press box. I don't think anybody other than me and maybe Sarah McClellan has ever seen this dance, but it's perfect with the hands behind the back, like almost roostering. It's hilarious to watch him. Um, and the last one that I remember, or two more things, the evolution of the press box food from like chicken tenders and hot dogs to just old hot dogs to now we just get chips. We don't get anything anymore in the press box. And finally, those days where I'd have to spend all day in Glendale and I'd bring a change of clothes and I'm, I'm thinking, you know, it's Arizona. It's hot. I'm sweaty. I'm disgusting. I don't want to go to the game like this. So I would sneak into, Peter, you know where this is. The uh, You know where the Fox set is behind the, the interview room down low? Well, there's showers behind yep. that. And I would sneak in, grab a shower and change into my clothes with nobody knowing. I did that <laughs> at least a dozen times. <laughs> wow now it all yeah, comes used to, to be light. a locker room back in the day yeah again oh it's just gosh. it's an evolution of things changing that fox studio used to be one of the locker rooms but they just ran out of space and that the building you know office needs got different there were more employees in in 2022 than there were in 2004 like you didn't have these staffs of you know marketing and tickets they had the departments they just didn't have what they have now it was just Everything was smaller back then. So now, honestly, they've all grown the place. Like there's, there's not a nook or cranny that in that building that isn't used for something. And I, I, I know they used like the, the right before I left, they took a stairwell right next to the locker room. That was just literally that it was a stairwell and they made it into a shooting target area for players. Like, and it's a, it's a literally a cement thing at the bottom of the stairway that leads up to the main concourse. There's just no other place to put things. They put a net, they put some plastic ice and players could go shoot there. Um, hmm. I, I think those kind of things, those little ancillary spaces and things are now thought of when you build a building. And, and so it gives them an opportunity to almost start from scratch. I thought of one more th thing that was really emotional for me there. And it was interesting and it was, it still goes, I, I believe it's still going on is when they do the, the nine 11 walk through the building and it, it emulates and, and mimics the number of flights of stairs that the, the, the fire fighters had to climb up in nine 11. And that's how many flights of you literally go in and up and down the stairs of this, the massive arena and, and, you're just talking about it. it's like okay yeah i mean there's there's all, all walks of life doing this thing but when you they they have to go by there's a part of it where they have to go by the coyotes locker room um and we're just in there working i think you know we got practice day or whatever it was that day 
and you just stop. And I went out, I went outside the hallway and I just stopped there and I watched people and there were a group of firefighters full gear full. And it was hot. It was hot. And they had full gear. They had tanks, they had the masks and they were dripping sweat going by me. And some had pins of pictures of people on their, on their um, jacket. And you go, Oh shit, this is real. Like to these people, this is real. And, and I just, more of the employees started coming out into the hallway and watching what was happening and taking place. And, and, and people just started clapping. And it was, it was just one of these moments that just really like, wow, people connected on a different level. Like we were all doing our job and it sucked. We're eight to five and we're doing it. You took you stepped outside that for a moment and you go, shit, this is a big deal. And everybody just kind of got engulfed in the moment. And then we ran back in the locker room. We were grabbing water bottles and handing it to people that were walking. And we just, it became kind of a, a thing where it became a community. And then we went on to the bowl to watch all of these people finishing. They had these, just the, these images on the jumbotron. And you're like, Oh my God, what an, what a moment inside this building where we all, nobody said a word, nobody talked to each other. Nobody said anything. We just all felt a part of something much, much bigger in that building. And I know I can't convey the emotion through a podcast. I can't, but, but I, the, the 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 ability that that building brought all of these people together for a singular moment for a singular cause at a singular time is just it was emotionally overwhelming i and i know it's cliche but i sat back at my desk and it, it took me a while it took me a while to get back to work because you saw it on the faces of the people that it was real to them and i i hope that that you get a glimmer of what that must have felt like we were just it was just people being involved in the moment in glendale arena you know well that's a beautiful one, PD. Thanks for sharing that. Um, I thought of more, which I knew would happen when I, because when I was told to go first, I wasn't ready. So I'll do what Craig just did. My first concert was also at Healer River Arena. It was the high school musical concert. So very similar vibes to <laughs> Craig's daughters. Um, I also, like I said earlier, my mom worked for the team. So I would go in the suites and I would literally sit there and I would study, you know, you got the little programs. I would study the rosters. Like I knew every player on the 2005 team. Um, I would play Pac-Man in the suite. There was a woman on the suite level with a dessert cart who knew me and would bring me desserts. Howler would bring me desserts. I was buddies with Howler at the time. Um, I have memories of there was some event, like a fan event or something on a weekend. And I was there and I don't know why. I was nine or 10. So I, I, there was a, I put a sticky note on my head. Don't ask me why I had a sticky note on my head and the trophy case sparked this memory because I was looking at the trophy case and I was like staring down at it with this sticky note on my head and Shane Doan walked by, looked at me and laughed because here's this young girl with a sticky note on her head, looking at this trophy case. And I remember being so embarrassed (laughs) that that happened. Um, but yeah, those are just some things that pop to mind. And then obviously ones we've already talked about the clinching of the or winning the second round to go to the conference finals in 2012, being in the building for that. The whiteouts I have. I was looking through photos this morning, found amazing photos of me also in all white at the whiteouts. Um, so just some incredible memories and just the, the sense of community and the sense of growing up. And that's 19 years of life. PD. And, and Leah, you brought the concert thing into this and, and you've talked about 
<laughs> again, the Wayne Gretzky era is just different. It was just different. The, the ability and access to people that you didn't have access to was just almost mythical. Nickelback came to town. Now, I like Nickelback. I still, I'm, I like music that actually has real guitars in it and drums. So that's me. Um, but because I was with Grant Fear at the time, and Grant Fear knows the guys from Nickelback, we got to go downstairs after the concert and we were in what used, what I think of as my office area, but now it's Nickelback's locker room and they had <laughs> arranged it a little bit differently and they have a little more fun than we have when we're at work. And I will say this, they are professionals at what they do after a concert where I was not a professional because <laughs> these guys, you talk about rock stars being able to have fun and party. PD couldn't keep up. <laughs> I was bad, bad shape. And, and here I'm, I'm sitting there trying to party with Nickelback and then the, the my functionality of speech kind of went away. So, <laughs> so that's, that's how PD ended up at the end that's of that night. One. But having, having opportunity to, to, to be behind the scenes for stuff like that was just like, again, opportunity wouldn't have existed, but that building became again, something else for me. It was the same space. They used the visiting NHL locker room for their space, but they put up curtains and drapes and furniture and it was just, now it's all new space. So it just, it became and evolved into so many different things. It wasn't just a hockey arena. It became so much more than just a hockey arena. They had high school graduations in that building and concerts in that building and motorcycles in that building. And Tony Hawk was in that building. Like it, it just put on so many different faces and it meant so many different things to so many different people. It wasn't just about the hockey and, and you know, the building's going to still be there. And, and to Craig's point in his articles, you know, they got tons and tons of events coming. So I, I'm sure there'll be plenty. If you want to go see the Glendale arena and, and relive. The, the uh, bull riding. Let's you go. Can, because there's going to be the bull ride. Tons and tons of and we'll be there and you can relive the 2012 memory. Also, so, I need to say one more tons thing and tons of that events. I forgot. So it's, it is. Sorry, PD, finish. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. No, you're Sorry. good. We're waiting for you. Uh, um, the Tim Hortons, the, the short stint of the Tim Hortons inside that arena for me as a Canadian living in Arizona, that was like the greatest window of time for me when the Tim Hortons was there. Like, what a time. So I have to give a acknowledgement. Well, they were lined up outside. Yeah. I have to give an acknowledgement to the Tim Hortons era at, at Gila River. It was a huge deal. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, All of the food outlets that have come and gone, yeah. how exciting that is. <laughs> yeah. We have no food in the press box sorry, anymore, man. man. It's crazy. Okay. We, we got chips and popcorn. The basics. The essentials. Well, luckily for yeah, but you got the pellet. <laughs> Buddy, I got I got hip replacement surgery coming up. Then I can hit that Peloton hard. Oh my gosh. Well, we're talking about all these memories that we all have, and we'll have one last exciting memory to close it all out. This Friday, we or tomorrow. Oh my gosh, it's tomorrow already. We the PHNX Coyotes crew, we are taking a party bus to Gila River Arena for the last game. If you are listening to this on Thursday. You have to head over to the PHNX Locker now to get this offer because the sale of it will close this afternoon. You can get on the party bus either with a game ticket if you already have one or you can purchase a game ticket through this option. But you get 
free food and drink, including on the bus. There will be beers on the bus. We're going to go to the Dos Equis deck, have food and drink there. Josh Doan's going to be there. There's going to be a meet and greet with him. You'll get a shirt. You'll get a photo op with him as well. There's going to be prizes, giveaways, a chance to ride the Zamboni. You can be one of the people who says you were the one of the last ever people to ride the Zamboni at Gila River Arena. There's also going to, we're going to be some of the first people in the building. So we'll get all the commemorative last game tickets as well as there will be a meet and greet with Josh at the Lola at 630 in Westgate beforehand. So if you're already in the West Valley and don't want to take the party bus, you can do that as well. All of these things are for sale at phnxlocker.com. So buy it now. It's going to be so, so, so much fun. I cannot wait to ride the bus. Petey and I will be on the bus with Sean as well. And then Craig will meet us at the Dos Equis deck when we get there. It's going to be so much fun. I really can't wait. And it's just such a good way to kind of cap off all the, you know, the three of us have different POVs from our time at Heel River Arena. Um, A lot of great memories, some bad ones as well, but this is going to be our last memory that we make there. And I'm so excited that it's going to be with the PHNX community and the PHNX family. So I'm really looking forward to tomorrow. Me too. It's going to be weird. I admit it's going to be weird. I, you know, I've, I've yeah. joked with you guys that I will uh, not look back once I drive away from there on Saturday morning, but I'm sure there'll be a little nostalgia when I'm in that arena for the last time, which will of course be on breakup day on Saturday when we're talking to the players, it's going to be weird. And we're, we're going to be saying goodbye to some players. Uh, it's it's going to be a strange feeling knowing that I'm not going back to Gila River Arena. But I think when I arrive home after that drive, you know, I'll, I'll have put it past me by then. <laughs> Just use your what is, how long is that drive, Craig? Oh, 50 miles one way. Five oh. Five oh. How long is that with no traffic? With no traffic, it is it's all freeway, so it could be 45 minutes. With no oh, so you have 45 minutes to process the uh leaving there for the last time <laughs> i think you'll be fine i think i will too i know it is going to be weird is there and obviously we'll continue to talk about the ending of heel river arena as we go on tomorrow and even some days after mm-hmm. anything else you wanted any of you wanted to share on this special episode nope i'm just gonna rest up and get ready for a, a crazy weekend to wrap up this crazy season Yep, it, it has been crazy, but we made it. One game no, left. I'm... We'll see what happens. <laughs> we'll see what happens tomorrow. Um, if you have memories of Gila River Arena that you want to share with us, tweet at us at PHNX underscore Coyotes. We want to hear, share it in the members-only Discord. And by the way, and at this point you're listening to this, Craig story will be published so Go ahead and read it. I read it this morning. It's a great, great read to talk about nostalgia as well and some things that you forget about and other people's point of view on the arena in Glendale. Head over to gophnx.com. Become a member today if you're not already so you can read this story. And if you sign up for the annual membership, you'll get a shirt when you do. Or if you want to do just month to month, you can get your first month just 50 cents. PD, final thoughts. No, no, I, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a fun, emotional night. We're also going to create some new memories. And I know what's wrong with my audio today. Am I just delayed? I don't know. You're like a li- you're like on a few seconds delay. Anyway, I'm really looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah, me too. So everyone can't wait know. to but see anyway, you all. We'll, we'll see you tomorrow and we'll have fun. <laughs> can't wait to see you all tomorrow on the bus. Be there. It's going to be a blast. 
subscribe to the PHNX Sports YouTube channel because we'll be doing our post-game show live from the Lola in Westgate. So also, if you have plans to hang out in Glendale after the game, come over to the Lola. We're trying to get some special guests to drop by, so you're not going to want to miss that as well if you're not taking the party bus back to downtown Phoenix. But everyone, we can't wait to see you tomorrow. It's the end of an era. It's the end of year one of the rebuild almost. And uh, I just can't believe it's all here. So everyone, thanks so much for listening. Please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review as well. Follow us on Twitter and follow PHNX Sports across all social platforms. Tons of exciting stuff going on in the PHNX world this weekend, the NFL draft, the Suns, tons and tons of stuff going on. So follow PHNX Sports. Everyone, we'll see you tomorrow one last time at Gila River Arena.